This episode of Probably Science is brought to you by HelloFresh. For $30 off your first week of HelloFresh, visit HelloFresh.com and enter promo code PROBABLY30. Probably Science. Hey everyone, welcome to Probably Science. I'm Matt Kirshen. There's Andy Wood. Hello, hello. Hey, Andy. How's, uh... Have you checked back in with your loved ones over, over, across the pond recently? Has something happened that I should be aware well, of? I just want to know, do you know if you come from a shithole country or not? Oh, yeah, no, I think I'm from the non-shithole countries. Okay, you're one of the non-shitholes? Yeah, so, I think. By the time this comes out, we're recording this five days early, and I don't even know, the shithole country might have been completely forgotten by next Tuesday. That's how yeah, crazy there'll be things another. are on a daily basis. <laughs> Because it'll be replaced by cunt wipe continents. Oh yeah, and I, I love how the mainstream news is loving the fact that if the president says it now, we have license to have like a fucking seventy point font headline with the word shit in it on CNN.com. <laughs> like they just, oh, he just lowers the bar for everybody. It's amazing, or raises it depending on how you look at it. I don't know. Um, hey, our guest today. <laughs> right, our guest today is a stand-up sketch performer. Member of the Gralix team and now co-creator and cast member of Those Who Can't on True TV. It's Ben Roy. Hey, how are you guys? Thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for thanks for having me to your garden level. <laughs> of course, yeah. Uh, ben was commenting on how accessible I am in this apartment. Yeah, accessible is a good word. Yeah. yeah, listeners who find out my address can easily shoot me <laughs> as I sit at my computer. This they're the people that just walk by and look in. As if you're a large iguana in a cage here. Yeah. <laughs> this is great. It also feels ostentatious because there's a family of four living in a one-bedroom apartment down the way. So they have to walk by and see, like, yep, I got this all to myself. You guys are... <laughs> but they know that, like, podcasters need more space, naturally, because well, you grow to... Exp- uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm like a hermit crab or something. Yeah. Yeah, this is this is really. Uh, I mean, there's no privacy. Even Zero. from the building next door. Yeah. I mean, their door would hit the window. <laughs> I mean, this is so close, dude. I wonder what that person's apartment's like, because they keep their blinds closed all the time, presumably, so I can't see into theirs, but is that their only source of light? Oh, no, you wouldn't even... You would like- get maybe from the waist up with where that is right now. Maybe maybe thigh up But there. I'm sure if, they, if those blinds were open, they could see everything. Oh, they're going to look right down on yeah, you. Yeah. yeah, I mean, they're getting ankles and everything, <laughs> even close to the window. So it's very nice to be here. Yeah. Thanks it, for coming. And I'm a paranoid person, so this helps a lot. <laughs> oh, you're going to love, there's a schizophrenic gentleman who lives in said uh, one bedroom down the way who just like paces by every five minutes with his hoodie pulled up, like mom spaghetti style. Oh, really? He's getting ready. <laughs> like there's a rap so. battle? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I may have to go battle that motherfucker outside. Yeah, so. yep. Oh, yeah. I forgot to add a musician to the list as well. Hell yeah, man. Thanks. Front man uh, of, of the band Spells. Yeah. And so, recent performer on uh, Guilty Treasure. Dude, that was so <laughs> fun. And I will argue again till the death that Fallen Angel by Poison is a good song. And I think you've come around on that one. I didn't dislike it. I just didn't think of it as like their top three or four but I mean it, what is their top three sure it's up there yeah. yeah yeah no by far I think it's number one and then don't need uh, or nothing but a good time nothing is number two I, I, I never tried to learn any Poison songs, so learning it for that show, I was like, oh, are these all fucking three-chord GCD songs? Oh, yeah. CC Deville is a terrible guitarist. It's the craziest It's simple. great. It's great. 
And that's why I think I like it. It's got kind of a rock and roll vibe to it. But yeah, yeah, man, good show. And I hope you do a bunch more of them. I, really yeah, fun. I, I think uh, we're going to try to take it on the road one of these days. I think we might even... I don't want to jinx it by saying it, but maybe we'll be up in uh, Denver at some point. Oh man. Yeah, that would be, that would be awesome. But Julian McCullough should not be allowed to pick any more music. (laughs) Julian did Glenn Fry's you belong to the city, but in his defense, he did bring a professional sax player. Uh, The saxophone player was great. He did a great job. It was, he introduced it with a whole story about getting lost as a 10 year old and having to run home, (laughs) which really, I think, little tip for anyone who's doing the show from now on if you couldn't paint a very vivid picture before you start singing the song Mm -hmm. he nailed it with the picture which almost made me hate it more (laughs) and it kind of it kind of left me wishing he had been abducted right you know what i mean if i had known that song was going through his head i would have been like take the little fucker take him i just picture picture him running through the streets of san francisco in like a a white sport coat with the sleeves rolled up and like a pink pastel t-shirt underneath so so much cocaine dusted <laughs> all over that song and it's so terrible god glenn fry yeah oh god. The th- he was awful and that song was terrible i'm, I'm just not a big eagles no no i mean me neither but, but i mean but then again i thought when big lebowski came out that that was a joke the, the coens were doing by having the character love ccr hate the eagles because i was like those are kind of similar bands yeah you stop it. <laughs> you're I, you're comparing Fogarty. I, I, okay. I, I just thought just, they were both considered kind no, of phony. I'm not, I'm not even going to... I'm going to go home if you try to no, make that comparison. I, I will leave this apartment. I, I listen. <laughs> I drank the Kool-Aid. I get it. Now we're all supposed to say CCR Legends Eagles have always sucked. But I mean, they're both 70s. I mean, like, CCR, they lie about being from the bayou. They're from fucking south of Sacramento. Right? <laughs> no, but, but, but I don't... I think there were... Just writing songs about that. I never took that as there from the they bayou. Like, it wasn't cultural appropriation of like <laughs> bayou, bayou people. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't. I don't think. No, okay. I don't see it that way. But I. But their music was just so much. Fortunate son. Come on, man. Yeah, that's I'm, a good song. You're right. You're right. But I mean, like, you can't say there's no Eagles hits either. I think. There are Eagles I mean, hits, they're, obviously they're, they're hits, but you can't say they're, they're no borderline jams. easy listening adult rock. Some of them, I mean, they have too many songs about taking it easy. I yeah. That. <laughs> about having peaceful and easy feelings and taking things easy. I thought Coke was supposed to make you not take things easy. What, were they a Quaaludes band? What was they were, no, they were Cojitas. Okay. That's what they say. Warm smell, Cojitas. I mean, that's, that's cocaine? No, that's uh, marijuana. Oh, I thought no one knew they what that big, meant. No, but it was I think co- Cojita is. But it was Colitas. I think it's co. Isn't it warm smell of Colita? Coli- it was one of those legendary. Uh, it, it, no, no, it, it's um, lyrics. It's a uh, it. It's weed. Okay. Um, it's not warm smell of. It's definitely not colitis. No, I'm thinking of cheese. Cojita cheese. Cotija cheese. Or Cotija. No, it's um, it, Colita is um. Here, here we is go. Pot. Here we go. According to the Wikipedia page for Hotel California, which is, I think, the authority on all things, the term Kalitas in the first stanza, warm smell of Kalitas rising up through the air, has been interpreted as a sexual slang or a reference to marijuana. Uh, Kalitas or Kalitas means uh, little tails in Spanish, but in Mexican slang, it refers to the buds of the cannabis plant. Yes. Ah, okay. Kalitas. Little buds. What about... uh... Or... Or just really creepy innuendo that yeah, they were I mean, coming across. Yeah, I mean, if it, if it means little tails, you're sm- the smell of 
<laughs> yeah, but, <laughs> science, guys. Yeah. Science. Now yeah. I were here. Warm smell of dick rising up <laughs> through the air. <laughs> yeah, Ben. Well, before we get into the stories, um, okay. What, what if anything is your science background? We talked about this oh a little bit God. before the show started. Uh, none, none. I've I've flunked everything vaguely scientific in uh, in high school, and I never went to college. And uh, I'm terrible. I, I mean, I I had a physics class that I liked. My teacher was nice, but he still failed me. But I got along with him really well. And he was like the teacher I was. He was I was really close to. I liked him a lot. Cool. But uh, but no, I none. I will say that now, though, uh, as an adult, I lo- I'm probably what I read most are books about. Uh, evolutionary psychology and evolutionary thinking and mm-hmm. like why we think the way we do and things like that. I love books uh, about about evolutionary thought. Um, and so I don't know. That's science. No, yeah. we. I, I'm always fascinated with that stuff too. It's also interesting because that's one of the fields that I think gets refuted pretty quick. Like things will come out and then like be, be counter. Uh, like I, we talked about this a while ago when we had... Amy Parrish on the show, Matt, I think, mm-hmm. right? Like that a lot of evolutionary psychology is based on psychology departments at universities doing studies and those studies uh, really have a limited pool the, to draw from. So it's a lot of... There's, a lot of pe- there's definitely a history in evolutionary psychology of people studying the animals that they want to study that closely match the, their preconceptions about how human behavior so is. So confirmation bias. There's, a, there's well, ele- with animals, but I mean with humans, like most of the time these studies are studies of of undergrads, you know, are studies yeah. of a very tiny slice it's, of the human it, population. It, it, it's very slice, difficult because it's underfunded slice. right now, I think, yeah. too. You know, I mean, so it's hard to, to have these big, uh, you know, epidemiological studies of of patterns of thought and whatnot. But um, I think it's a field that is growing and I think it's fascinating. uh, And especially because I don't understand how our behaviors weren't viewed as being levers and, you know, uh, and, and things that evolved uh, much the same for mating or for survival habits. Right, and, right. And because and, a lot of times there's very little explanation, you know, I mean, so much of it, it fo- focuses on biological uh, evolution. But why is there not? I mean, uh, you know, how many of the how many of the human genome is uh, how much of the human genome is unmapped in the brain right now? I mean, I was reading that it's like some insane amount of genes are unmapped in the brain. I mean, mm. it, and it's this gigantic tool and we don't, our behaviors are uh, uniform. They seem to evolve and adapt uh, based on uh, trends and why, why do they, right. I, it's just interesting to read about. Yeah, so. no, I, I, I feel the same way. We also had, have you read uh, Sex at Dawn? Yeah, we had, which a lot of that has been. Well, I mean, well, it's the thing is, it's a field where you don't have a lot of um, primary sources, or you know, things kind of have to be inference or based on, you know, studies I, that ask people to self-report about their behavior and what they would choose. As and, somebody, uh, I would say that is, I'm married and I've been married now for uh, ten, almost ten years, and I've been with my wife. Um, this will be 17 years this year. Wow. But I, yes. but, uh, um, you know, uh, to use Dan Savage's uh, phrase, we're monogamish. Okay. You know what I mean? Is and she okay with you talking about this on the podcast? <laughs> I, well, I mean, I'm not going to, like, I mean, we're not, 
like, yeah, I mean, it's... It's also judgmental it's me to even ask that. Why would I, ta- I, I have a whole bit where yeah. I talk about it, and yeah. I talk about my feelings on monogamy. And so Sex at Dawn was kind of a required reading for anybody that may... I, I hate the term swinging, but that may have a lifestyle that's more... <laughs> they call it the lifestyle. Besides, besides the traditional, right. Yeah. Well, yeah, because it, that just conjures up images of, like like old nudists and like creepy old people and this everything you saw on hbo real sex in the 90s yeah like predatory type of creepiness and that's not we're just i grew up in the punk scene and that was just you know punk and hardcore was kind of when you hung out with gutter punks shit happened when you partied naked and (laughs) and uh so like and she was a Grew up in the punk and kind of art scene and just there wasn't really a name for it. It was just kind of, you know, there wasn't like as much of a concern over like uh, sexual monogamy as much, you know. So we certainly have rules, but but sex at dawn and, and evolutionary thinking and especially, you know, not many people talk about that Darwin, you know, uh, talked a lot about evolutionary biology, but he wrote. Just as much, if not more, on sexual evolution. Yeah, he had seen some pretty backwards. Uh, <laughs> well, he was a product of his time right, too, of course, and, and yeah. but sexual evolution, he believes shaped. And I think they're. Fi- I'm reading a terrific book right now called The Mating Mind. And if anybody gets a chance, you should read it. And it talks about how most making of, it of that now. Yeah, and how most of uh, the adaptations that human beings have evolved now have evolved up until this point we're most likely for mating not for survival and basically what they found is if it's calorically costly to for you to do if it comes at a great cost uh-huh. for you to do with virtually no net benefit um then it was, mating really? it was for mating and <laughs> what's and an that's example what, of a high costing like that walking upright oh if you think about it, this isn't an, an, an economical way of walking. And a number, I read the book Born to Run, and they, they theorized that that's part of the reason why we did it is, you know, diaphragmal breathing. And everybody's got a, a theory, but none of them seem to stick. Uh-huh. The greatest theory that's come out so far among uh, evolutionary and sexual biologists is that I think, and one that's being kicked around a lot is that human beings did it so they males could expose their genitals that's basically why they did it we have comically large penises so like for primates for primates yeah. so when you st- not not as humans not on this couch no, we three don't. Us, yeah, yeah the three of us have we dicks out right yeah. now <laughs> but oh uh, yeah that's, that's i guess our listeners having... don't know that we always record naked that's yeah the that's why i don't like this window of course dude I, well, that's <laughs> the problem with it and that's why your neighbor's closing her blinds i, I didn't think about that you, you know comically large comically it's our large. comically large general but no but it, so um art music these all these all come at a great cost to us with virtually no other benefit other than to improve our standing mm-hmm. in the in our communities and whatnot and so uh language language i mean there are, um, most species exist without an an excessive verbal language i mean there's absolutely no reason to have yeah. a vocabulary as large as we do i mean uh, nothing about like uh, getting a tribe together on the same page with how they're going to go about killing the <laughs> whatever giant beast or something like it's got some 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 parts of communication you could argue yeah but you that could be done that could be done with 400 words like commonly used words (laughs) it doesn't need 22,000 or whatever our current 
uh, dictionary, like yeah. the 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 language, the current vocabulary is for human beings or whatever. It's, I mean, it's I don't know how big my I know I know Trump's got a really really big one. Shitholes, like, really shitholes, yeah. man. But anyway, so I love that kind of stuff. And Sex at Dawn was is a great book, but. I mean, obviously, a lot of it, there's been a lot of holes shot through it. I read a book called The Righteous Mind, which is terrific. Uh, and it, and it's, it's Jonathan Haidt. Yeah, did you read that? I have got it and have not got around to reading it. It is fabulous. And it's, uh, I think it's how good people are swayed by politics and religion. And it just, I think I started reading that shit. And I don't know about you guys, why you like science. But it, it's funny as every. Everybody wants to understand how the universe works and they want to know like wh- why why s- certain things operate and the, the way they do in the physical realm. Yeah. But no one's interpersonally understanding why do people vote conservative? What part are people born with more conservative viewpoints? Yeah. And more and what part would that have played evolutionarily if you if you start reading about it, it makes you less angry at those people and i think that that's yeah i mean that's a year ago when the election happened everybody gave lip service to like okay this is scary and it happened because we, we ignored people let's all try to like understand each other more and a year later that's all gone away completely we're just hunkered back down on our sides and mad at the other side and like these are all people who like no one's a bad guy in their own head so everybody is acting out of something that seems reasonable to them so why not try to understand what that is everybody's terrified i mean and that's the big thing is that humans operate off largely off of fear for obvious reasons and that's a a big factor in decision making and i think it's all in how uh some various sides tend to um deal with it and i think conservatives have a high fear quotient and theirs tends to be to circle up and not right, right. let outside forces in whereas uh people with more of a liberal mindset try to address that fear by understanding it and trying to uh intellectualize it and there i in a maybe perhaps in a wild circumstance if you had half and half those two would balance each other out mm-hmm. you know there would be a, 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 in a in a setting where your survival was necessary and I, I don't know that that's true or not but reading about why that may have been can only help understand everybody around you a little bit better maybe oh, so this t- this takes like evolutionary psychology perspective on that uh, okay, why, the subtitle of the book, The Righteous Mind, Why Good People Are Divided by Politics and Religion. Right. But it goes back farther in humanity's history to like, it's not just about like recent centuries, but... Yeah, and just how much of your choice, they did like these studies where they would show people photos from small elections that no one would ever possibly know the results from. They would yeah. show them. And they would ask them to pick the winners of the election without people knowing. They would show them the two candidates and just... And they found that people were correct 70-something percent of the time just by looking at the photo. Like, most of the time, people aren't actually voting with any real issue in mind. There's a set of intuitions and what your gut tells you, you know. And tribal tribal alliances. Yeah, yeah. Allegiance. But that's the biggest thing. I mean... Uh, you know, I grew up in a small town. I don't know about you guys, but I grew up in a very rural, rural, super rural community. Mm-hmm. And there was only, f- I graduated with like 70 kids. It was 4,000 people in my town. And uh, we were the biggest town around. And um, I grew up in an environment where homophobia was just 
that was just part of it. People are homophobic, though, because being called gay was an attack on your masculinity, and they don't even think about it anymore because they hear anything related, and it just causes a gut instinct. They don't, they don't even think, yeah. you know? And I had that gut instinct for an, until I moved, until I... Until I realized that, that that it's not an attack on your masculinity and whatnot, but right. if you, it, it's uh, so when I started reading about like how we tend to, you know, like Malcolm Gladwell's book Thinking Fast and Slow that we yeah, yeah. that we tend to. I mean, isn't that Daniel Pinker or there's a bunch of books like that? I always confuse who wrote I which think ones. Malcolm Gladwell wrote wrote Thinking Fast and Thinking Slow. Thinking Fast and Slow. Daniel Kahneman. Oh, that's right. Never mind. What did what did Pinker write? I don't know. Yeah, but thinking fast and slow is great, and it talks about the you know the intuitive mind versus you know like basically your that you know your intuitive uh, emotional side is kind of slave to your uh, or your the, the your intellectual one, you side. Like... Yeah, is like the elephant. Your intuitive side is the elephant, and your intellectual side is the guy riding the elephant. Is how I've heard it compared, and it and it all it does is rather than you making any kind of actual decision, we weren't given a judge in our brain. Yeah. We were given a lawyer that rationalizes our intuition. All that, well, I do this because right, your intellect is like the publicist of yeah, your, yeah exactly. So making it made me less mad at my parents. It made me less mad at the people I grew up around who may or. Because otherwise, I would have hated everybody. And these are people who were great to me. That, right, right. And it's just an easier way. So, I mean, yeah, everyone's the result of their circumstances and their environments, which doesn't mean like there's no obligation to no. rise above things. But it. Um, hey, you know who is uh, a product of his environment? Who's that? Astronaut uh, Norishige uh, Kanai. Uh huh. Who incorrectly. Uh, Stated his level of growth in space. Fake news. I know. Well, a week a week ago, the story was that he'd grown over nine centimeters, which is three and a half inches, since arriving at the International Space Station around three weeks ago. That's a which is a hefty amount of growth. Each week is a fair amount of growth. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. it, It is a known thing that. Astronauts do grow in space because of the zero gravity atmosphere, decompression of that, the spine. Right. That's exactly what it is. In fact, human like humans on Earth do as well. Every one of us starts the day taller than they end it every day mm-hmm. because as you lie down at night, you sort of you stretch out again, and as you walk upright, displaying your genitals to the world, right. as we discussed earlier <laughs> in this episode, <laughs> the effect of gravity will compress those spine. But he was worried originally that he wouldn't necessarily fit back into the Soyuz capsule to return to Earth because he'd grown so much. Uh, now he's blamed a measuring mistake, and in fact, it's only around two centimeters that he's grown, which is just under an inch. Wait, 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 wait. What does he do on the space station? Is this some sort of scientist who has fucked up he's how the, to measure him? That's, that's a, a pretty big They're disparity. Kind of relied upon to be accurate. In yeah, holy shit. He is actually the chief measurer no, of the ISS. <laughs> well, apparently, the, the, the problem is. Do you measure from the front of the spacesuit or from the base? Like where do you <laughs> where do you start? And how deep do you push the ruler in? No, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so wait a second. So so is this is something they chart regularly? Do they have to do this? I think they do have to. The in general, firstly for the sake of monitoring their health, but also just for science reasons, because one of the one of the main 
obviously there are um, astronauts in space are constantly doing various different experiments but one of the main experiments they're doing is on themselves like they are test subjects as much as they are experimenters you're, yeah you're they're testing the effects on space of space travel on humans in various ways so i think they do have to semi-regularly yeah. keep track of what's going on with them <laughs> uh but he that they don't come down like Mike TV at the end of Willy Wonka, like this hulking flat, <laughs> like boat over thing. They don't get out of the capsule that much taller if they no. do, right? And they do also. Um, they it's not a permanent change. They do just like Earthbound people shrink over the course of the day. Over the course of several months, they do return to their original height. You know, you've jumped on trampolines, and obviously, and when you get off one and then you jump on the ground, how like yeah. disconcerting that feeling uh, is that you get on the ground. They usually yeah. wheel. <laughs> what I, I can't even imagine the oh. force that you must be feeling when you finally get on the ground. They usually yeah. wheel them away in wheelchairs. They right? do because they're not strong enough to both because they've atrophied, right? Yeah, and they do. We talked a bit to uh, about this to when we had chris hadfield on the show the astronauts oh wow and um and yeah they you you do keep exercising in space they right. do they have things like exercise bikes and various other exercise equipment that rely on resistance to simulate the effects of gravity to work against but so they do as much as they can to keep their physical strength up but yeah i'm sure day. you feel so so heavy at first when you land and also there are things you forget to do like apparently he would forget in the first day or so after landing that he can't just let go of something in air and have it still be there. <laughs> like, he would just drop... He'd just drop things because yeah, he just released be his hands and then... The, oh, yeah, yeah, of course, it falls. <laughs> How come no... Those would be YouTube hits if somebody oh, just kept oh, like, my a surveillance God. camera on recently returned astronauts. Or just a web series that you're like... You just back did a web series. Yeah, yeah, the Back to Earth. Like, the astronauts' first day back in his apartment. <laughs> just dropping... Just dropping everything. IPhones. Just Every one day. video, like, yeah. that's all I'm doing. You just hear him another, shit. <laughs> shit. Yeah, he's forgetting that he can't drink by just squirting the water into the air <laughs> and, and then, then slowly s- sucking up the bubbles. Yeah, how does... I mean, it, everything like that, the pressure on your chest, like you don't think about like when you're on... You're getting it from everywhere, so like how... That's going to be insane. Well, I think they still... The, the cabin's pressurized probably too close to an atmosphere, I'm sure. Right? I wonder, right? Like, I, I mean, mean, I, know, I don't know. It would be dangerous. Uh, I would guess it's somewhere between... Yeah, I mean, but... And one, right? But wouldn't the pressure of you being pulled down... Yeah, you're not... You, yeah, yeah, I'm sure that... I don't know how that would work, but yeah. Dude, that guy is awesome who just walked by. That's my neighbor, Todd. He lives upstairs. Dude. Very commando looking. Anyway, yeah. sorry about that. You just had a sweet guy go by it. Anyway. Yeah, I see what you mean. The, the air pressure would be similar, but it would... So breathing, I'd imagine, would be the same. But you're talking about... Just you, you all of it You don't even notice that when you're on your back, there's a difference to your lungs going up and down than when you're yeah, forward. That's that you, I, I, that's got to be a bizarre feeling, so... But, I mean, this guy should be fired. They should take him oh, out. I mean, yeah, really, three... Uh, how do you... What are you doing up there? You know, like, did you? Are you slacking? Are those the new spacesuits? I guess that's what they were wearing. I, 
seems Damn. like that's what they would look like when they got off. Those are pretty fucking cool. Dude, space. that's Tron-like. <laughs> yeah. I hope this... It's got it. what people pro- can't see. I don't know if you post these or not. It's these beautiful, like, solid white, but they've got this yeah. blue trim around them. We'll, we'll link Chevron's? to this article in the show this? notes. It's almost like Adidas branded. They got those three stripes on the sleeves. Yeah. It's, it's Adidas. Adidas. And a little, and a little All day I dream about <laughs> space, <laughs> baby. <laughs> <laughs> And a little V shape as well, just kind of yeah. again accentuating the crotch. Those comically large genitals. Yeah, dude, that they're walking upright to show mm-hmm. the ladies. Mm-hmm. So, um, Three. he originally tweeted, Good morning, everyone. I have a major announcement today. We had our bodies measured after reaching space, and wow, 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 I'd actually grown by as much as nine centimeters. I grew like a plant in just three weeks. Nothing like this since high school. I'm a bit worried whether I'll fit into the Soyo seat when I go back. It almost reads like clickbait. You know, like the one weird trick doctors don't want you to know about. Wow, wow, wow. <laughs> This is how I grew two inches. Uh, Have you ever clicked on one of those things just to see? Like, uh, they're all, they make you go through like They make you watch like shows. a video. Yeah, we, yeah you, I clicked on one once because we were going to do something about it for a show I was working on and then it just got too irritating. Um, so it was... So then he later tweeted that his Russian commander on the ISS, Anton... Um, uh, Scraplarov, yes, something Russian. Anton Scraplarov was skeptical. Uh, so I quickly measured myself, he says, and was roughly 182 centimeters. That's two centimeters plus my height on Earth. So it was a measurement mistake, but it seems many people are talking about it. I have no back pains, and actually the pain around my neck and shoulders is gone, so I doubt I'm nine centimeters taller. <laughs> Flight Commander uh, Scraplarov would know these things. He's such a veteran. Such a veteran. <laughs> Yeah, he started off pretty tall. He's uh, just under six feet. Or, I mean, yeah, 182 This is, this is him on the far left, right? Yep. Yeah. He's the tallest of the three. Yeah. Yeah, he does walk. He's, he's not a hunter either. So, I mean, maybe he had fat vertebrae. Maybe he's got a lot of junk in between his... Yeah. But well, what is the, he I was, wonder what the limit to the Soyuz capsule is, though. I don't know. Four. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, he, like, how would three inches make you not fit in a seat anymore? Well, if he's already the upper are, limit... If he's already towards the top. But then again, I remember when we were looking into the astronaut application thing six or seven years ago that um, Brooks and I were both in the in the range that's okay, and I'm 6'2", so... Wait, wait, wait. You were trying to be an astronaut yeah, with we, Brooks wheeling? We, we, got, we got lazy. <laughs> yeah. We really? We really? Brooks didn't follow through on being an astronaut. <laughs> Back when, this is back when Brooks was the most conscientious of the three of, of the three. <laughs> this is back when he was still working as a biomedical engineer by day. Oh, really? Yeah, he was still had that the dude's job. crazy smart, but yeah. he is a party boy. Oh, he's a party and boy. so <laughs> I can't imagine that dude. But he met the basic camp. requirements to at least apply. So we're like, yeah, we'll do this as because you both. Yeah, whatever. I couldn't apply because I was a foreigner, but you were both. I can't remember what the requirements were, but one of it, you had to be an American and you had to have at least a bachelor's degree in the in science subject. And have and I think have worked, worked in, in the field related. in STEM. Yeah. So within... Brooks, Brooks counted because of his lab work and Andy counted because of the year or two he spent as an engineer. Mm-hmm. Uh, solid six years, but okay. Okay. Yeah. Whoa. whoa. <laughs> I thought it was like a handful of years. Whoa. I don't know it was that long. 99 to 2005. All right. Yeah. Uh, I guess one what... of those years was I was a consultant technically. But What did you do for engineering again? Um, for a year, I worked at a startup called Sapient. Is that right? Sapient. Jesus. In San Francisco during the dot-com boom. And they did uh, just like web development. It was early days of uh, but making sites for like big companies that had 
previously not had web presences. Like we worked on Janus. Actually, I went out to Denver to work. You know, Janus, the yep. investment company. Yeah. Yep. To, to oversee some uh, launch or build or something. I forgot what I even did. I think you could have just said nothing interesting. Okay. Yeah, it wasn't that interesting. <laughs> and then for four years, I was in Portland working for a company that made chips that went into TVs and projectors. And oh, cool. Like yeah. So more uh, like. It wasn't like, space related. Certainly. No, no, but 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 it was like on power side of things. Like just like no. Uh, I mean, uh, with Pixelworks, I was doing, I was supporting software that that. So the our company it was a fabulous semiconductor company. So they would design the chips. I don't know why I can't say semiconductor. Quickly. Semiconductor. 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 Fabulous mm-hmm. semiconductor. Uh, so they designed the chips, and then another company would actually fabricate them, and then. Uh, uh, wrote the software to run those, and then a company like uh, Epson or Sanyo or whoever would take that chip or those set of, sets of chips and that software, and then make a projector with them. In the process, modifying what our software developers had had built to make it fit their system, then they would send someone like me over to Tokyo or uh, Osaka or wherever and try to like dig through how they had mucked up this code and fix problems. But I mean. It's almost an impossible. It's not impossible. I just wasn't that good of an engineer. So most of the time when I was on those trips, it would just be like spend the day in the office placating the customer and looking through the code so I can send back an email before I go to sleep that hopefully when I wake up has been answered by the actual software leads back in the States and then I can be a hero in the morning. So it was a lot of like faking my way through understanding. It's really. uh, code. It's really hard to believe you left all that for yeah. comedy. <laughs> it was so glamorous. I mean, I, I was, I mean, even that whole explanation, I was just really engrossed. Oh, in the, yeah. That's the, I told, no, that's I the told. most boring fucking job I've ever heard about. So you didn't actually. At least they smoked in the offices over there. At least in Korea, the LG headquarters, at least there's windowless offices where they work till midnight and everyone's smoking all around. Yeah, you. At least there's, yeah. yeah. And dropping dead because they work so <laughs> yeah. hard. Yeah. That's, uh, see, that's the kind of shit I wanted to hear about. Or when I think engineer that you operated a train or something. No, but there's I, lots <laughs> of kinds of engineers. Yeah. Um, closest to being a software. But by the way, that, so this, this Japanese astronaut uh, it's his first space mission. No surprise there. And last, uh, he was previously a diving medical officer with the Japan with the Japan Maritime Self Defense Force. So I wonder if you're a diving medical officer, how much time you actually spend diving yourself? I wonder if he's actually gone from really being f- frequently at like higher pressure and higher density. Do, do you shrink if you're um underwater? Underwater long enough. Um, I mean, I don't think because you're under high pressure, but I. But again, it's like high pressure all around you. Yeah, it's you're different like from a gravity. Big swimmer, right? You swim a lot, but you you're also. I don't go very deep. But wait, if you're if you're doing any kind of, I guess the only time I could see that affecting. But you're, you're, you're neutrally buoyant, so you're taking yeah anything you're breathing that's a scuba suit avoids killing you by giving you air at the pressure of the ocean surrounding you, or else you'd be crushed. So, I mean, I can only see it applying if you're doing, like, free diving, where you just take a breath at the surface, hold your breath, and dive down. But even that, you're only gone for a few minutes. But, so I, but I was actually like, thinking, more, would it compress? If you're, you know, for example, if they do those long-term, you know some people who stay underwater for weeks at a time? In what? What's, in what sort of environment? Though? These are, like, often in the oil industry, they do these long-term scuba... They they live and work at high pressure. They don't. You, they don't. You're not like saying, on a sub- you're not saying they're in a submarine that's high pressure. No, no, no. This is a, this is a thing. I I have to look up what it's called. But the, certain people who are like really experienced scuba 
like sort of diving um, engineers who normally work on things like oil rigs, and just so that they can work for long hours, um, they actually take them down and they acclimatize them to high pressure, and they actually live at high pressure. They live in like the sort of diving bell. But they're not always in water. No. Even if they're in that bell, that air is at the pressure of the water or else it would be... Exactly. So they're like pressurized. So so for like a week or two at a time, they live... Oh, man. 30 meters below the water. What does that do to you? Here's my guess. I think the biggest risk with that would be... uh, Well, I I don't think the pressure is going to do anything to affect your dimensions because obviously you're breathing... You're, the pressure is the same inside of you as is in the room around you. Yeah, when you're in the water, you're at zero density anyway because you're being pulled as much as you're being compressed. I guess it's not about the, the density; isn't the issue because you have to wear weight belts to make sure that's what makes you neutrally buoyant. But if you're taking on, if you're breathing successfully, you, yeah, you're breathing air. The air in your lungs is the same pressure as the air outside of you. It's a higher pressure, but it doesn't matter because it's the same inside as out, and the same thing in your in your in the right, right. in your blood vessels. The 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 um absor- the air and oxygen in there is at the same pressure so there's no net on the outside pushing in it's all been neutralized or else you would be crushed like yeah i don't think so it's only things that don't have any blood flow to them that could get compressed at all and i think most of those things aren't really compressible so it's called saturated diving which is a type of diving that allows the body to gradually soak up inert gases by staying at a depth for a long period of time Whoa! So what, to avoid what, the bends, then like you, then they then very, very gradually bring them back to surface pressure. Yeah. So how long is that gradual return? Is it the same? I mean, how long does it take them to submerge them to that? I wonder, and then to come up. And how I deep mean, do they go? I mean, they got to be oil rigs. They've got to be way down there. Because I know mean, standard scuba diving is only like you can't go deeper than like a hundred or one hundred and fifty or something feet. I can't even imagine. I mean, if I, I've been in like a pool that's like 15 feet deep. And when you go to the bottom, you feel that pressure yeah. if you're not used to it. So I can't even imagine going. Well, it, you don't feel because you everything neutralizes like you, you, you equal equalize your sinuses. And so you wouldn't feel the pressure. Like once you, no, when but I mean, when it, you hold your breath. Yeah. Once it changes, you yeah. adapt to it. Right. Yeah. But, even when you hold your breath, the pressure in your lungs still ends up the same when you're at the bottom of the pool because your lungs have just been, the volume has decreased, but the pressure ends up being the same or else that's just how the physics of it works. Like the PV over T equals PV over T. If you change any of those things, the other one has to. Yeah. Yeah. That's, you know that that was the biggest killer I was reading. It was, if not the biggest, one of the biggest killers of people who built the Brooklyn Bridge was the Benz. The Benz. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think I actually... Really? Yeah. Because of the people that had to go down into the pits that for the for the pillars that the dug into there. The caissons, is that the word? Huh. I think there was also a big problem with oxygen toxicity because oxygen at certain concentrations and exposure levels is toxic. Yeah. And I want to say that was But the architect who designed the Brooklyn Bridge, that's what killed him. He died of the Benz. He died of complications no of nitrogen buildup. Oxygen toxicity. I'm this up to see if this uh, was also an issue with... Which, by the way, guys, we're talking about the, uh, sci- the uh, scientific phenomenon, not the system of a down album. <laughs> <laughs> was there a system of a down album? No. Toxicity. Oh, toxicity. Oh, I thought okay. you were talking about the which was a Radiohead album. No, no, <laughs> no but that, that too. Uh, Hyperoxia. Or an hypoxia oxygen. or hypo- hypoxia would be the opposite, not enough oxygen. Yeah. 
Hyperoxia and excess of oxygen in body tissues. Uh, the central nervous system. So you can have too much in there. You can have too much oxygen. Oh, yeah. Oxygen can kill you. I mean, we're, we're used to breathing air, which is what, 78% nitrogen and 21% oxygen. So it's not that big of a percentage. No, but I mean, I, I just think we're pretty well balanced to all the surroundings. The only time you tend to find hypoxia is at higher altitudes. But where would you get hyperoxia? From, 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 in, ingest, imp- from respiring, from breathing uh, super pressurized air when you're deep down underwater. Uh, right. And you're offsetting, you're making an incorrect balance. Like... See, that's the thing. I'm not sure. If you're keeping the proportion of nitrogen and oxygen, but just having... God, having I hope compressed, a scientist is, is listening to this. Someone is like, punching you their fucking three right turds. <laughs> just trying... Now, now... Here oh, here's me. a good fact, though. This uh, oxygen toxicity was once called the Paul Burt effect, which is so close to Paul Blart that I like it a lot. Paul Burt. Um, in recent years, oxygen has become available for recreational use in oxygen bars. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that craze. Um... And they've warned those suffering from problems such as heart or lung disease not to use oxygen bars. Yeah, we shouldn't. We're, we're meant to breathe air as it is around yeah. us. We've pretty much evolved. Oh, dude, to- Vegas will do anything to convince you that they're making you, they'll give you any kind of placebo to tell you you're better to go out and drink and party more. That was the only time I've ever had oxygen was at was in Vegas at an oxygen bar after Did I... Did you feel euphoric or anything? Was there a noticeable... No, it didn't do anything. I mean, they give you those cheesy little plastic... How much of that shit is escaping? I'm also breathing oh, in through yeah. my mouth and like... Yeah. Oh, <laughs> and you're smoking? Like, I shouldn't yeah. be doing this. What's happening? Yeah. And it's... And they give you like... It like scented like, oh god it's yeah. so dumb and you know like i was this was just a waste like it's i'll just a, a just go throw for, my yeah, yeah. <laughs> for people who are afraid to commit yeah. well they to, give a, a hookah bar you grew up or you spent a lot of time in colorado at a at altitude yeah uh and, see, and now when i go back oof i feel it it yeah legitimately like i because i've been here two and a half years in los angeles and i'll go back every I'm in Denver every six or eight weeks. Man, does it kick my ass now. You forget. I, Because I, my girlfriend's from there, and when we go for the holidays or whatever, you forget yeah. that yeah. in the first day or two, oh, I can't drink as much as I normally would, and I am also get tired a lot earlier. Yeah, that's what I noticed. You know, Mythbusters now. did a thing about, about drinking at altitude, and they debunked it. They, really? They what? said that it's not a thing. Oh. And, and I... I swear, I mean, I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I drank a lot anyway when I drank, but I, I mean, I wonder if they controlled for like how much of it also could be those places are also drier, right? Denver's pretty dry. Isn't yes. It? Very dry. Because yeah, I mean, when very you just wake arid. up feeling dried out, that doesn't help a hangover, certainly since like dehydration is such a big part of it. But anyway. it's like, I've just watched people get, I mean, uh, and I mean, it happens everywhere. So I, I can't, you, it's hard to say. It's hard to control are, for just Atmosphere and yeah, uh, attitude. I mean, yeah, and the fact that Denver just is a party city and people party. Or, but if you're there, you're on vacation, so it's real easy to say yeah, like yeah. I had too much. And man, the altitude affects me. And it's like, no, you drank. You a were on a vacation. Of Paul Masson, you know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's garbage. They still make the <laughs> Thorson still- Wells commercial. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the French. Ah, <laughs> uh, they're known for the accent. Dude, yeah, James Adomian as as. But anyway, we should link to that. Look up James Adomian Orson Wells. Oh my god! Oh, I, ha- I didn't. 
of course he has a perfect yeah. Oh my god. Awesome. You have to watch the first one and then watch his. Yeah, if you actual, haven't seen the actual Palmasan ad, then change Just go to YouTube and do Palmasan. We'll link to that as well ah, in the, the show French. notes. Um, ah, the French. The French. You have been boiled. We've both been boiled. <laughs> I by the studio system. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. by the chef and I by the studio system. Yeah, he's uh, he's amazing. James Adomian's not of this planet. No. But anyway. Hey, Andy. Yes, Matt? We record in your apartment. It's it's an open plan apartment. I can see straight through to the kitchen. That you can. Now, the other day, you were bragging about having cooked a healthy, fun, and nutritious meal. And yet, looking into your apartment, I can see the only... Stuff you really have is a a grapefruit and a power drill, and I'm wondering, with such limited you kitchenware think, and you would think a grapefruit and a power drill not sufficient to make something as tasty as a melty Monterey Jack burger. Yeah, I I'd say almost in no way could you make such healthy and fun and interesting and tasty food with such limited equipment. Nor could you make chicken under a zucchini blanket with mashed potatoes and green beans. No, that might require. A little outside help. What? <laughs> well, you know that I'm lazy, I, and I don't, uh, I don't fancy myself much of a cook. But I also know that you like to entertain. This you is enjoy true. house guests. And I do enjoy to eat. You do enjoy I to eat. I don't like to cook, but I do enjoy to eat. So what, what was the solution you found to such a predicament? <laughs> the solution was a little company called HelloFresh. HelloFresh, the sponsors of our show. I'm talking one and the same. The convenient and flexible meal delivery meal plan. That's the one. Company. Exactly. Exactly. If you're like me and you don't keep a a, a very well-stocked refrigerator, I think right now I have tortillas, uh, one Coors Light, half of a persimmon. (laughs) I'm going through my memory palace of my own. Um, Two things of apple cider vinegar. I don't know why. (laughs) I just came into some apple cider vinegar. But it doesn't matter because they send you everything that you need to make healthy, delicious meals in a surprisingly short amount of time and sure. without any skill set besides following simple instructions. Surely all those ingredients don't come in pre-measured in handy labeled meal kits so that you would know which ingredients go with which recipes. Quite the contrary. That's exactly how they come. Direct to your door. It's super convenient. You can choose any delivery day, whatever works out best for your busy schedule. But but you also travel. What if you're out of town for a period of time? You can pause your account for weeks at a time when you're out of town. You've got all the ingredients in pre-measured quantities, uh, labeled meal kits, so you know which ingredients go where. But but they come in like unrecyclable, non-insulated packaging. Quite the opposite. They come in recyclable insulated packaging right to your door and and these different meals they're cure i presume they're curated by someone who has little to no cooking experience no also not i don't know where you're getting this information they're they're curated by by very talented chefs uh that's a wide variety of recipes they change weekly you can choose a plan you can choose a classic one okay but you're 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 a carnivore i'm a i'm a vegetarian what no problem there you could choose a classic meal plan or veggie uh there's also the family plan to choose from um and the classic comes with a variety of meat, fish, and seasonal produce. The veggie has veggie recipes with plant-based proteins, grains, and seasonal produce. And the family one has quick and easy meals with all the yum-worthy flavor the whole family will love. Well, this is both delicious and convenient. Surely, surely this would cost more than $100 a meal. It does not. It's quite affordable. You won't spend, uh, you won't spend a lot of time. You won't spend a lot of money. It averages about $10 a meal. Just to make these cookie, to cook these delicious balanced dinners, or less uh, even apparently sometimes ten dollars or less a meal, and no more time-consuming meal planning or grocery shopping. 
you don't have to spend your yeah you just spend uh spend your time just following these simple instructions they take around 30 minutes but each week there's also a 20 minute meal on the classic menu for when you don't have time for anything more than that lots of one pot recipes for seriously speedy cooking and minimal cleanup which i love i don't have a very extensive set of tools in my kitchen in the hang uh, on a second this seems like this is the same hello fresh that i used Oh, when I cooked, you know what? That's three right. he- healthy and fun <laughs> and delicious it, vegetarian meals. It's starting to ring a bell, isn't it? That is exactly what I did. Do you remember the ones you liked? Uh, I remember I, I made a risotto that was I'd never made a risotto I before. Was, I haven't made that myself, but it's one of my favorite dishes. It was it was delicious and very easy to cook. Yeah, I've kept the recipes from the weeks that I had because uh, I, I did. I I would name the other two meals, but I have the menu cards at home. Uh, we're recording at Andy's, but I do know. Again, I I learned how to. I tried making roast Brussels sprouts in the past, and they didn't come out well at all. And then I did the HelloFresh recipe and technique, and now that's how I'm going to do the Brussels sprouts. Oh, I might have to steal that recipe because I do like Brussels sprouts, but I've never actually. Yeah, so you are learning to myself. cook at the same time as uh, you are getting this delicious food that is easily all measured out and simple to make. But Andy, here's the thing. Mm-hmm. Okay, so these recipes are great, it's convenient, it's simple, it's flexible, but surely it's a bit of a commitment just to try this for the first time. You're going, you're going on our recommendation, but you don't... I, if there was some way that the first week you could get it for a discounted price that would just further that, tempt that, you to give this a crack just just because no you more. know i think it's worth twice what you pay at full rate but just just for the first week it might be nice i don't know if we could maybe talk to the people at HelloFresh. it's a bit late now but if we could talk to them I, and somehow work out some magic. kind of deal i've worked my magic to do a favor to the dedicated listeners of this podcast if you guys want to have 30 dollars off at 30 dollars fair amount that's a that's a pretty that is pretty a discount fair- $30 off your first week of HelloFresh, you can visit HelloFresh.com and use the code PROBABLY30. That'll get you $30 off. And uh, I think once you try it, you're going you're gonna to be hooked because it's delicious food and it's really simple. And I'm guessing we must have a fair number of listeners who are like me in terms of their kitchen ineptitude. And this this gets you off, off your ass and into the kitchen. Uh, and I will say as someone who... I'm I'm relatively competent in the kitchen. Okay. My girlfriend is also relatively competent in the kitchen. And as someone who likes to cook as well, this works as well. This is not... Yeah, I mean, it's, it's also a time their, saver. It is a time saver, but maybe they should also change their slogan to HelloFresh, not just for kitchen morons. Not just for kitchen morons, but also for kitchen morons. Yeah, it's fun. It's easy. It saves you a lot of time. If you have a busy lifestyle, give it a crack. Yeah, because you get thirty dollars off. Thirty bucks off if you go to HelloFresh.com and enter the code probably thirty. When I go back though, and I play shows with the band, I mean, I, I that's where I feel it. I mean, it's, it's, it's because it's, cause you're, you're out of breath. Because you're the front man as well. Weirdest thing to feel. Like, you're not sitting on a stool singing torch songs, but you're no, no, no. Your band but I mean, I, have but if, spells live. But yeah. we did a show. We did a run of shows here in California, and I felt like. Superman, dude, yeah. I could just go and go and go because we normally play in Denver. Because you've been high altitude training like an yeah. athlete. Yeah, <laughs> that's why they have. But the, I'm, uh, I'll never forget big training center. Right? Going to Winter Park and getting off at on Mary Jane and like like on the the peak Mary Jane and getting off like what? twelve. What are we saying? Winter Park 
um, ski resort has two peaks, Winter Park and Mary Jane. Okay. So I was this on the Mary. Not a person or pot. This no, 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 no. Okay. Yeah, yeah. No, getting getting off on the Mary Jane peak of Winter Park Resort, and it's twelve or thirteen thousand feet, and just even bending over to like strap my bindings in and, and just being like <sighs> yeah 13, you can hear that whistling guys. you know what i mean like yeah. and i can't imagine these i just give myself asthma by traveling here <laughs> yeah do you have asthma did you ever have it i i actually i get asthma um in the cold no i get it the two days after i have after i have a cold after i have a head cold yeah i that's the only time i i don't have it day to day but twice a year on average after I have, I'll have a cold. It'll peak on Tuesday, and by Thursday afternoon, I'll need to use my aspirin inhaler for a day and a half. Dude, oh. asthmatics, I feel so bad for. It. That is the most. I have workout induced asthma, so if it's cold, mm-hmm. like when I would work out in Colorado on a cold day, I would get a type of asthma that I went to the doctor and they gave me an inhaler. And yeah, I, I but it's not that. Well. But it's not that bad. You know where you can't. The yeah, effort. I used to get it swimming sometimes, but I mean, it was, yeah, I got the inhaler. And it, but, Man, but you even just, when in you start to feel like something's closing down on you, that's fucking terrifying. Oh my God, there is, and you can't, it feels like you have to clear your, th- like you want to cough yeah. it up, but you, oh man, I, I feel, I can't even imagine what, what people with terrifyingly bad asthma. Yeah, yeah like I'm, I'm very, as far as asthma goes, I'm, I'm very lucky with the version I have because I've never actually had a full on asthma attack. I just get wheezy. And I just I get to the point where I, oh I'm finding it a little bit hard to breathe. I need to use some an inhaler, and then it's easier to breathe. I never have the shit if I it's don't get this inhaler, down. then I'm not going to be able to breathe at all. Oh man! To be fair, he didn't even finish his apprenticeship as a chimney sweep though before he moved over. Yeah, here. that's so, true. Is that yeah. what it is? You got a little bit of the uh, the old lung? Are you a lunger? Well, it's good for you though, isn't it? We were told that the soot's good for the lung. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like how you can brush your teeth with charcoal. It's yeah. like that activated charcoal. Yeah, yeah. dude, my my. My uh, grandfather was a was a welder, and he used to wear a fucking asbestos vest when he was <laughs> welding. He wore a sh- like a coat of asbestos while he was welding, and he died of mesothelioma. And they were oh, like, Jesus. Ooh, "Whoopsie!" Oh, <laughs> you know God. what I mean? Like he was a smoker, and they were like, "Well, you shouldn't have smoked." He I, had mesothelioma. Like, I, that's, I that's cannot only... make my mum throw away her ironing board that has an asbestos mat that you put the iron on. Are you Every serious? time I go home, I'm like... Is it actually that dangerous? I don't actually know. I don't know. Le- you know what? We've got material scientists who listen to this show and other and medical professionals. I know some forms of asbestos are much more dangerous than others, but this is a mat. It looks like... You know, in chemistry labs, you used to have an asbestos right, mat as your heat-proof mat that insulator. you put things on. Um, how dangerous is this ironing board? Am I... Because <laughs> I thought it only had to do, it had to do more with when, when anything can get... like. Obviously, the smaller the particles, the more dangerous. And that's I think that's the only thing that's yeah. really dangerous about it. Is I'm still convinced it's not can... safe, and they 100% couldn't sell yeah, it today. I, I don't know. Yeah, it's possible. Should I be forcing my mum to throw this away? Because I've had numerous arguments with her. Yeah. And, like, how much more energy should I expend on this? Business, please. Scientists, we call upon you. Please What email. do you think? Like, have you... What have you stopped to think that nowadays that we use regularly around us that a hundred years from now they're going to be like look what these fucking morons we're doing like, I mean what we- phones maybe Does, uh, you yeah, think cell knows? phones are a I don't know I don't know we don't it, have enough data, decades of data but like I, I, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if, if the phones are fine well um, no but that, see that's dog shit right they have done studies in Europe 
and they found that they most certainly do cause cancer. Really? Yes, but they're, that the United States, that there seems to be some sort of like concerted effort, yeah. like an intentional effort by cell phone manufacturers and companies to say that there's no data because there's no studies that have been done in the United States. Okay. Whereas there have been in Europe and... They're finding that, yeah, I mean, like... Well, at least these days, does anybody even make phone calls anymore? So at least it's never near my head. It's only texting and it's in my pocket. So maybe I'll be infertile. But I take ibuprofen anyway, so I'm sure... I'm you're, you're fine. You're thinning point. your blood. No, and I'm saying sure. you heard the recent study about ibuprofen might be linked to male infertility. No. Yeah, so there's that. So maybe that's the thing that we're all going to be like, oh, that's the thing we took forever and now the human species is gone. <laughs> because, <laughs> is it really? How yeah. many... Uh... How many ibuprofen do I have to take before it's safe to raw dog? That's what I was yeah, yeah. yeah, Dan Carroll had a tweet along those lines. He's like, so ibuprofen also makes you sterile. That they're, they're doubling down on that reducing headaches thing, right? Yowza. Yowza. Uh, and Wauga. I don't think he said Auga. But, uh. um, I believe evidence still unsure about... Um, the ibuprofen you're looking at? About no cell phones. Oh, okay. But I thought I mean, I, there were. I thought I had read that like the, some of the Scandinavian countries had been. There is a Danish cohort study, a large long-term study, been comparing all the people in Denmark who had a cell phone subscription between 1982 and 1995, which is around 400,000, to those without a subscription to look for possible increase in brain tumors. The most recent update to the study followed people through 2007. Cell phone use, even for more than 13 years, was not linked with an increase risk of brain tumors, uh, salivary gland tuners, or cancer overall, nor was there a link with any brain t- tumor subtypes or with any tumors in any locations within the brain. Hmm. The Mayo but, Clinic says that... But this study also has some drawbacks, it says here, quickly. Um, so also, it, firstly, it's based on whether or not people had a cell phone subscription at the time. It didn't measure how often they used their phones, if at all, or if people who hadn't didn't have a subscription used someone else's phone. There's also limits as to how well this study might apply to people using cell phones today. For example, while the cell phones used at the time of the study tended to require more power than modern cell phones, people often probably use the phones quite a bit less than they do today. What's the Mayo saying? The Mayo is saying there is limited evidence, but it's basically saying the same thing, that, that the tests were conducted before cell phone use drastically increased. Mm. So, like, from 2007 on, I mean, the explosion of how we use our cell phones in the last decade is... Yeah. I mean, we're on them... um, But we've changed the way we use them. I mean, I'm not... I was half kidding, but not really that people... I think people probably spend a lot less time with their phone next to their head than they did uh, even five years ago or ten years ago. I like the hands-free, and I like doing it on buses. I like to talk... (laughs) Very loudly, hands-free on the buses, and that's... um, But... um, Well, how about as a thing that might uh, surprisingly or not surprisingly kill us, uh, just the fact that it's crazy hot and crazy cold on the planet right now. Um, We got an article sent in to us by... Oh, this moved down is a tick. Uh, Jake Young emailed us about the fact that uh, Australian weather is so hot that bats are boiling to death. Their brain just fries, is the quote. Australia has been roiled in a vicious heat wave this past week, with thermostats in Sydney reaching 117 degrees on Sunday, making it the city's hottest day since 1939. Damn, 117. We were in Palm Springs this summer when it was 118, Matt, and that was, you couldn't be outside. Yeah. Were you there that day when it was? I was there that day. I mean, it's insane. It's, uh... Yeah. Unlivable. Palm Springs is 
when it gets hot, I was think I was in 115, 116 it's down there. It's just comical. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's you, how, why people live down there, I don't understand, no but... So yeah, across the country as firefighters beat back brush fires near Melbourne and a section of highway asphalt turned into ooze, everyone is struggling with the heat, including animals. In southern Queensland, bats are falling out of trees due to the heat, with as many as 100,000 flying fox bats from 25 separate colonies estimated to have died over the weekend. That's reported by the Royal Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals, talking to Australia's ABC News. Uh, according to a local environmental and animal rights group, more than 400 flying foxes, a type of fruit bat, died on Sunday in the Sydney suburb Campbelltown as the overheated mammals fell out of trees or abandoned their young to search for water to drink or drench their fur to help cool down. They basically boil, Campbelltown colony manager Kate Ryan told the Camden Narellan advertiser. It affects their brain. Their brain just fries and they become incoherent. I, that implies that there are coherent bats. I don't know what a coherent <laughs> bat sounds like. But, uh, I mean, I find bats to be unintelligible no matter how their brains are doing. Uh, but, uh, Andy's been showing a strong anti-bat. <laughs> oh, wow. I'm just saying, I can't this. understand them. Oh, 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 that, oh I, you okay, can't understand maybe. them with their, with their weird, with their strange foods <laughs> and their customs. <laughs> <laughs> just sleep upside down like there's some from some. From you know, whenever he's around a bat, he doesn't even. He just talks slower yeah. and louder. Around <laughs> Are you okay up there? It's not even answering. It's not even answering. Incoherent. Um, the bats struggle to regulate their internal internal body temperatures when the heat rises above 104 degrees, and habitat loss has driven them further from life saving lakes and rivers. Large scale die offs could have could have other ecological consequences as the bats play an important role in plant pollination in eastern Australia. Meanwhile, in the U.S., animals were forced to contend with extreme temperatures on the opposite end of the thermometer, obviously with the bomb cyclone in the northeast. Um, in Florida, temperatures dipped below 40 degrees. It was so cold that iguanas were falling out of trees. So all over the globe, shit's falling out of trees. Um, at one North Carolina park, alligators were trapped in a frozen swamp, their snouts jutting above the waterline to help the hibernating reptiles breathe. <laughs> Did you see that photo? No, that's the first was, I've heard of it. It was amazing. Frozen it was alligators? just crazy, like, frozen pond with these snouts of alligators sticking out of it. Oh, and yeah. that's really oh, our first God. chance as humans to take some revenge, huh? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> my God. That looks so fake. That's insane. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Wait, how do they usually hibernate? They need to breathe. Look at that, dude. Oh, this is an alligator. Is this is this one alive cuz his head is covered in frost? That's Well, they can like aren't aren't alligators capable of like um of of extreme temperatures like that and surviving like I most I guess they, they are. So like Yeah, this article says um the yeah, it just goes to show uh, how they alligators have survived for so long. They've been around for millions of years. Uh they're one of the only species in existence that is virtually unchanged, and they continue to be good at just surviving. This is an example of how tough they are. Yeah, that's that's super awesome. We'll we'll link to those pictures on the Squarespace Power Probably Science dot com website. Yep. Um, yeah, that's that that you know. I mean, you know what that means too—that there's going to be a bunch of 
fox, dead fox backs and really bad installation art in Australia. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> a lot like of Covered them. in lacquer and yeah. taped to a piece of plywood. Spray painted Just a bad, a bad statement on society right there. It's going to... A statement on society, it is. <laughs> nope. I don't, nope. That's not it. No, I that, think that, not, was, that, that was pretty it. good. I think that was it. Dude, I think that was pretty that's good. Why, that's why those bads are coherent. So, you can't even... You can't even... Humanity to mean. <laughs> is that right? Is that a good... That's perfect. What right? the fuck was it's like that? I'm from uh, Perth. Is it a Perth accent I just did? What? Yes. Do it again. Yes, that's why it's, I found it a bit odd because yeah, I was expecting Sydney and instead no, you landed exactly no, on Perth. No. The other coast out west. West. I'm, I'm from out west in Australia. That's what, this is horrible. <laughs> what is this racist? This, I didn't say it was a shithole country, so no. I do have that. I did just then, but not. I, it's not a shithole. It's a hot but it, it's a hellhole. It's 170 degrees. Oh, man. I would have loved to go taunt that alligator, though. Right? This I mean, snout in there. I, just I, don't, I don't support just teasing animals, but just flicking his just snout. Or, or just like doing that thing when we were kids, like standing and just getting <laughs> a little spit. bit of spit to come sucking down. It back and then sucking it back up. And just seeing his eyes move. Don't you fuck. You know? But because um, they're assholes, man. Yeah. You know, I mean, they um, I, my dad lived in Florida during a period of time where he, he wasn't thinking properly, apparently. And, <laughs> and they're fucking menace. You know, they're pretty n- I, nuisance. I, They've I, reached- I don't I don't think we've reached a, a, a truce with them as humans. They, st- they still seem to be. I'm sure it's one of those things like we talked about. Wait, last week we talked about shark incidents or is it also alligator incidents and how uncommon? Uh, it would. It was an Australian story. Australia doesn't have alligators. Oh, they have crocodiles. So they do right? have crocodiles. Yes. Yeah, I'm sure it's a very unlikely scenario. But there was that kid who got yeah snatched at uh, was it Disney World. Where was that? Yes, no. yeah, it was Disney. It was a Disney resort. It was one of the hotels that surrounds Disney World. Ah. They're just more like in like my dad's area. They they kind of just wander uh, into garages. You know, I mean they're they're kind of they're they they're just so plentiful. They they wander up into backyards. Yeah. To, you know, and um, they're and it's not their fault. Obviously, we we're they're proliferating because of our. You, you know uh, uh, our destruction of certain species yeah in the area but we had it coming yeah but uh they're um, pretty amazing have you been to the everglades at all i don't i don't think i have that that's always terrified me as a uh as an extreme environment on the planet like just giant swamps like because it's just so might as well be the bottom of the Mariana Trench as far as like how inhospitable it is to humans. Like we yeah. are meant to be there. You have to be in those crazy fan boats because there's even enough clearance for Yeah, propeller. the jungle, like jungle is the one that like scares me. Like I, I, it's like, like some crazy number of like when it gets dark, how much your chance of dying, of surviving. <laughs> like how much your chance of survival dwindles. Like it goes like, like you have like a when it gets dark in some jungles like a 70% chance of dying or oh God. something it I mean just insane if if you don't have fire and shelter yeah. you know yeah. and uh that's just crazy to think like that there are places still on this planet cuz we think of ourselves as resourceful yeah and, and kings and, of the yeah we're in food chain and whatnot yeah and we're completely 
uh, unprepared for almost every environment. But I think Walking I would up, take right, cold. With his comically large genitals. <laughs> yeah. the breeze. But I would take cold. I don't know about you. I would as take an extreme. You think you could beat cold more than hot? Is that what you're saying? Well, I, I just think it would be a better way to go. Oh, oh okay. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Dying, dying, freezing to death. From what I've read, is like a super peaceful way to go. Well, don't don't you go through that period of suddenly being uh, warm? You get very warm. But also, don't you... There's like a sort of... A point where you almost are ecstatic. Yeah. Like, or... Well, I don't know. Tell those... Remember that story of those, like, two... That couple that was, like, just all messed up on methamphetamine and they they died in a... And like, uh, they got lost and they died in a, in a shed in the no. middle of no, oh man, it's a terrible, sad story. But, uh, they, they died of exposure and they were talking to people, you know, up to an hour before they had both froze to death and like, because they were too far to be reached or what, what well, they that? couldn't figure out where they were. I mean, oh, they were just oh, so okay. whacked out of their head and, uh, I, I really, they were shivering, but after a while it didn't sound like. It was the, as extreme, whereas heat, man, Ooh. that that looks terrible. Yeah. Uh, like, Although, uh, then again, getting burned to death, I heard, also makes you euphoric. Really? Like, towards the end, because once you're like, Who's there's a level, there's a level when like, no, I mean like uh, in in documented cases like firefighter stories or young men in fire. That that's all true. There's the, a point. I think there's a point at which either all of your nerve endings have either been removed or just they're all firing so much that your body can't process it and so you're not feeling pain anymore well what happens though if the brain does that what happens if the brain gets to a certain point where it thinks or it believes that it that its demise is imminent and it just dumps its dopamine cash yeah it could be that too i don't know like where it's just like here's all i got you yeah. know what i mean let's let's uh like a run on the bank I'm and sure. you know <laughs> smoke like, them if you got them yeah <laughs> everybody here's, here's in the some pool. adrenaline here's some serotonin <laughs> because, i don't know take it all i don't know but i think i think just growing up in new england i feel like uh, i've dealt with cold days but man when it is hot here when in, yeah, in yeah. Southern California. Well, oof. but then again, we don't ever get that. Don't you guys have humidity out there, or is it not as bad? The Midwest gets. I mean, hot, hot, hot is hot, man. I, I mean, hot and humid is way worse than even that Palm Springs 118 was sort of bearable because being wet allows you to lower your temperature quickly because it's so dry. Where like sweating is useless in a Michigan summer. I don't know, man. I like we've been you know we shoot in the valley and during the summers we'll be if we film something outdoors you know it, it, that heat i mean it, it zaps you and it feels terrible that yeah. feeling of of heat stroke and like sunsickness is an awful feeling i've never felt that with cold your extremities yeah. start to numb they hurt and then the pain goes away and then it's, it's, it's also it's it's easier and cheaper to warm someone up than it is to cool them down I think. Oh, yeah, yeah that's I mean, true. Like, you can always put on more like clothes. You can always start a fire. That's a very easy warmth. Okay, so Whereas I like much it. You're taking, a, you're taking, a like, a fiscal look at this. Like, hey, what's what's more cost effective? Yeah, well, you know, a heater is much easier to make than an air conditioner. <laughs> right, exactly. And I like that. Very pragmatic. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's also thinking about the environment, and that's why I like this guy. I, I like thinking. him. Yeah. So, I was going to do this story to round us off. Um there's a n- nice story that Jay Roth sent in through the Facebook group about a drug derived from the Gila monster, uh, from the saliva of one of these creatures, helps diabetics control glucose. And well, I'm going to link to that story so you can read it in your own time if you want to. 
but I found a more fun story that was linked to on the sidebar of that. I put oh. it at the top of the story list because uh, this connects back to what we were talking about at the beginning of the show to your interests here, Van. <laughs> but uh, bonobos prefer jerks. Ugh. See? I, I know. Even bonobos, even bonobos, which tend to go against the behavior of other chimps um, and dis- help dispute certain findings of evolutionary biology um, and evolutionary psychology. So, advice columnists say never be- trust anyone who's rude to a waiter, starts this article. For most people, acting nasty is a big turnoff. I agree with that. I hate being with someone who's rude to a service staff. Um, I've never sent a dish back in my life. I've, I've sent. I have sent dishes back, but in the most overly apologetic, like, I'll cook it if you need me right, to. Right. Just like, like, you've done something yeah, wrong. It's yeah. like, like, if it's like, I'm st- like, this is just cold food. I have, I have complained, but I've not been a dick about it. Mm-hmm. I um, rarely, I would, I don't think, I rarely complain. Yeah. I rarely complain. Um, but well, I hate that about you. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I rarely, oh, I complain about a lot of things, but I rarely complain about about food at a restaurant because I'm afraid they're going to spit in it. I guess I don't even think about that. I'm just. But then like, you're like oh, free spit, yeah. <laughs> and you know, if the chef happens to be a, a Gila monster, then you might have healthier sustained glucose levels and progressive weight loss if so, you have wait, type two diabetes. We're so, not doing the jerks. We're doing. The- sorry. All right. No. So <laughs> bonobos prefer jerks. All right. So. While humans generally prefer individuals who are nice to others, a Duke University study finds bonobos are more attracted to jerks. The researchers were surprised by the findings because these African apes, among our closest relatives, uh, they are our closest relatives in the animal kingdom, along with chimpanzees. They're the same genetic distance from humans as chimps are. um, Have been shown to be less aggressive than chimps. The results support the idea that a tendency to avoid individuals who mistreat others is one of the things that makes humans different from other species. Even infants as young as three months old show an ability to distinguish nice guys from creeps and prefer interacting with people they see helping others over those who are mean, previous studies show. To find out if our closest relatives share the same social bias, Duke's Brian Hare, an associate professor of evolutionary anthropology and doctoral student uh, Christopher uh, Crepenier, studied adult bonobos uh, in the DRC. Uh, In one series of trials, they showed 24 bonobos animated videos of a Pac-Man-like shape as it struggles to climb a hill. Then another cartoon shape enters the scene. Sometimes it's a helpful character who gives the Pac-Man a push to the top, and other times it's an unhelpful one who shoves him back down. Afterwards, the the researchers offer the bonobos two pieces of apple, one placed under a paper cut out of the helpful character and another under the unhelpful one, and gauge the bonobos' preference by watching to see which ones they reach for first. See, hang on. Wouldn't that maybe be like, I'm going to take the apple away from the mean, bon- the, the mean Pac-Man? That's a, that's oh, a, you know. Uh, that's, a, that's also a weird... I mean, core... How do you like, make sure everything correlation else is- doesn't necessarily equal causation? We could be talking about just that sh- they they both tend to choose the apple from the same side. I'd be right. curious as a control if you had nothing in front of them on the two sides, which side they're more likely. I'm sure to pick they would the have apple. done that as a control. Uh, hopefully, but they did. In another experiment, the bonobos watched a skit in which. I, even in this context, I hate the word skit, in which a human actor drops a stuffed animal out of reach. Then another person tries to return the toy to its rightful owner, but before they can, a third person snatches it away. 
Afterwards, the bonobos chose whether to accept a piece of apple from the do-gooder or the thief. In each experiment, the bonobos were able to distinguish between helpful and unhelpful individuals, just like humans can. But unlike humans, most bonobos tended to choose the jerks. What do you mean, unlike humans? We elected Trump. Like, of course yeah. we love... Well, and I think... I'm wondering if that's an oversimplification of findings on what humans choose. Like, whether or not humans actually choose somebody who is... Uh, I mean, there are... There are plenty of instances growing up where women would choose to date the loudest. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's more peacocking. Like that. That's, they t- that's one of the things they say. That the researchers say there may be a good reason for these puzzling results. It could be that the bonobos interpret rudeness as a sign of social status and are simply trying to keep the dominant individuals on their side. So, in other words, it pays to have powerful allies. Yeah, exactly. I, I think they may determine that 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 particular one has good fitness because yep. it's able to push the other two around. Yeah, so that apple is going to belong to the most powerful person. It's got to be the best apple because it belongs to the yeah. highest status person. And to a certain extent, humans will seek the approval yeah. most of the time. Authoritarianism. Yeah. Right. I, I and mean, also, you, you know, people leader. wear clothes that are worn by asshole celebrities because oh, that's, the, yeah. that's the shoes that are wear, worn by that dick athlete. Um that was dick athlete as opposed to dick athlete. <laughs> uh, to, to test the idea uh, of the powerful ally thing, the team showed 24 bonobos another set of animated videos in which one cartoon character repeatedly prevents another one from claiming a coveted spot. The apes generally preferred the character who hogged the spot over the one who yielded. Uh, for bonobos, schmoozing with dominant individuals could mean better access to food, mates, or other perks, or less chance of being bullied themselves. I mean, I think it depends. I'm wondering the age of the bonobos. Like, were these adolescent chimps? Were they uh, of bonobos? Were they were they of uh, different ages? Because I I bet in humans you would find very different, uh, depending on the uh, the age and the place of of development i'm sure you would find different results as well or do they understand humor as well i mean what do we know about their senses of humor how funny (laughs) i mean i'm not sure we might have to send this whole article to amy parish and get her take on it but um they also just could be closer to kids and there was just an article on cnn like two weeks ago about why kids love fascist cartoons like paw patrol and thomas the tank engine like kids is Thomas love the Tank authorit- Engine fascist? Yeah, yeah, sort of. Like it's authoritarian. Like all of the um, characters, like there's a strict hierarchy. Everyone has clearly defined roles. There's one strong character who's telling everyone what to do. Okay, kids, kids like that stability, and like it pisses parents off because like no, watch good things. Like sorry, kids are fascists. <laughs> um, kids want authoritarian so, leaders, and so does so America it says. Sometimes. Rounding up this article, it says the fact that bonobos prefer bullies and humans don't suggests, which again we we debating uh but suggests that an aversion to jerks is a fundamental aspect of human behavior uh that may be unique to our branch of the family tree of the primate family tree in humans the thinking goes shunning wrongdoers not only helps people avoid bad partners but also discourages wrongdoers uh from behaving badly in the first place the threat of social rejection keeps them in check no it doesn't scientists say this bias may be what enables humans to work together in large numbers even with complete strangers in ways that other species don't you know like have you seen there's this thing floating around on youtube about karate kid and about how daniel 
Daniel was actually the bully in it. And uh, if you watch the movie from a martial arts standpoint, I love martial arts. Mm-hmm. He handled that situation in a way that was completely unethical. Counter, counter to the ethos of the, of the martial arts? A, a martial, you should have just, like, if you think about it, he got beat up. They treated, a, he gets involved. I forgot how he first got beat up. It wasn't in an actual fight. It was like He a, was standing up for her and he grabbed the radio and the guy pushed him and then he attacked him and then there's that, whatever. Okay. But then they kind of bully him. But then if you watch, there's the middle of the story where like, they seem to be fine with each other. Then he squirts them with the hose. He comes after them oh. and squirts them in the bathroom. And then they attack oh, yeah. him. And then he the and the costume? teacher after that go to their martial arts school. And Billy Zabka at this point hasn't done anything else to instigate since the first act. No, okay. they were merely def- They were merely retaliating after he dumped water on them, and then they end up going to their martial arts school and walking in and challenging them to a fight at the tournament that he challenges him at. Yeah. And if you think about it, it's complete. You should have just walked away. Like that movie, if that was actual, but we love seeing him take it to them. And it's kind of a dick move. Like if my friend had done that, I would have been like, dude, these guys are going to fuck you up if you keep fucking with them. (laughs) Just leave them alone. Like just walk away. You would tell anybody to do that. But in a movie standpoint, when we're watching that, we side with him. He's seemingly a boneheaded jerk. You know what I mean? And so like when you look at that, it's hard because I would be... When you see it on TV, we tend to side with much different characters in television. If you look at our love for video games and yeah. and things like that. So maybe it's the way in which those cartoons were presented to the bonobo. Like, whose point of view were they watching it from? They were watching it. In their mind, the person pushing them down the hill was the protagonist. Right, right. Or, or if they're coming from a base, yeah, yeah. if they see it and they're like, this isn't, this is entertainment, or they understand that this isn't, this is something they're watching, yeah. they may side with a totally different person because yeah. it's not, it's not reality. What they found, what primatologists have found is that bonobos are extremely egalitarian, extremely cooperative yep. species. Um, they are sexually open. They're kind of, we're kind of in between chimps and bonobos with our behaviors um and so to me the do they have an understanding that what they're seeing isn't reality that it's television or or or, i mean like i don't know why this article says that humans uh, they're so certain that humans love cooperative behaviors like no i think there's tons of examples like the weinstein thing like Every everybody's a fucking liar who says they didn't know who were like you know you're Matt Damon's everybody everyone knew this because it was like a defining personality trait was he was a fucking bully he got shit done you know like in a in a horrible way but everyone knew this was an asshole he was an unrepentant asshole in that way that being an asshole gets rewarded in a lot of industries you know like, right right he was a horrible person and everyone's like yeah this is my he was like Trump he's a like fucking bully and everyone knew he's it he's my it, horrible person yeah. but it's to but but everybody cooperated in a lie because it was beneficial to their survival. Yeah, but it's the same way. This this person, these these bonobos might be relating to this alpha who's being an asshole because they think that's a strong personality yeah, but I don't, to get on I, your team. Yeah, <laughs> but I don't think that people... Um, I think there was a fear of reprisal um, that came with that, and I think that's a whole other 
thing, but I do I do think that humans. I'm not defending him at all. I'm just saying everyone no, no, knew no, what no, they were no, getting no, with this I, guy. I just think it's a different. That's why he was successful. <laughs> I think it was more of not wanting to um, speak out and and not wanting to upset the group. Yeah. And there was a cooperative survival that came off him. You know, like like a lot of people survived because. Of him, they made a lot of money, and truthfully, you see that in this industry, men and women. And I'm not, and I think women oftentimes. I'm not in no way saying that women are they're the victim in this situation, Mm -hmm. but you will see that women in this will often protect where their finances are coming from everyone's as we've seen protecting this is why all these people exist is because everyone's top priority in all these cases is their career their own career right everyone's top priority and i and i'm <laughs> glad to see that people are putting you know hopefully putting themselves above that now but but it, but like i don't know like is anybody i think i don't think this will stop not to get political but i don't think th- that the next weinstein is going to be stopped by this because there'll still be that time before there's a groundswell where the first person to speak up still risks their career in doing so. No, and I think I don't think it'll change because I think getting down to we're a, a primate, and I think any time that there is power to be wielded, mm-hmm. sex will be involved. Yeah, and that is terrifying and a sad. But it makes sense with what you were saying about all these things we evolved for mating. Like sex is a fucking powerful drive. It doesn't make it okay, but like it's. It's, it does it's entwined it, with so many parts of our it's behavior. It's also a, a fallacy that, that it's always patriarchal, and it's not. There are plenty of civilizations that were matriarchal. There are plenty of species that mm-hmm. exist in a matriarchal f- format. If you look at... More, right, aren't they? Um, yeah, they tend to... You know what you tend to find is that the closer uh, that the size disparity... Like the, the closer the, in size, it's more likely to be. Yeah, the, the 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 less of the size disparity between male and female, mm-hmm. the closer to, and we're relatively close. I mean, if you were to look at gorillas, mm-hmm. I mean, there there's a huge disparity, and that's why what you tend to find is there's a, a dominant male and a harem of females, and what you tend to find is you get closer to. Uh, more of an equal footing as the closer they get into size, where bonobos, as you find, are very close uh, in size. Yeah, and bonobo societies are mostly matriarchal. Right. And you tended to find that in Native American cultures. I oh, mean, really? if you were to look at, um, like, uh, like, for instance, Sioux uh, or Cherokees, uh, Cherokee were l- largely, I mean, they were mostly matriarchal. I oh, mean, it, but if you read about um, this, I'm reading a great book called 38 Nooses, which if you get a chance, it's, it's 38 Nooses. Terrific. Adding that to the list as well. The largest uh, mass execution uh, in United States history took place under President Lincoln, and it was the hanging of um, a group of. Uh, oh, yeah. Well, this is Dakota. This is about Dakota suit. This is about the Dakotas. Um, I'm reading a book about the Trail of Tears. Oh, okay. I read this. Now it's about the Trail of Tears and and the Cherokee and it talks about the Cherokee culture and that you know my, my, the, the women decided most of it. I mean, really? once the child was born, father, the kid was handed off to brothers. Um, and oh, they raised them. The father didn't have anything to do with it. Often did not stay. Uh, that that was controlled by the wife. Headed off to uh, brothers of the wives, not of the not of the father. Probably. The, the yeah. wives and the the husband. Oh, so okay. they were both. The, they were more responsible. But it was thought that 
it seems like that the father would have had too much of an impact. On oh, weird. Uh, <laughs> which it would be an amazing thing if somebody from the outside, if we could look past that. But but it's just interesting. So like all, all of these things were, you know, were that we're told or well, well that's how, how nature it is. Yeah, yeah it's, not it's just like, not true. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I hope nobody thought I was defending. I wasn't. No, 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 right no. I was happens. more getting back to the <laughs> yeah, yeah. science of it. But but I love that stuff. I think bonobos are super interesting. They're, they're the fucking swingers of the <laughs> of the primate world, dude. When just, uh, when that pant, co- pant company, pants company started, I was like, oh, this is the dumbest joke of a, of a company <laughs> name. Okay, you're naming your company after the fucking the masturbating primates. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, but they're like just party animals man yeah, they're yeah. like whatever like we're all free dude gg rubbing uh oral sex <laughs> what kinds of st- don't they like pay for sex sometimes also hey, they trade any, they trade favor for sex sexually. yeah yep yeah, they're, into it. they're pretty awesome, and I think we've really got to the bottom of it. Yes, I think we dug into some things. Did we, we didn't get to the Gila monsters, but something about spit, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, I'll link to it there. You can read it in your own time. Thanks. I'm sorry I yap so much. I like. Oh, just, no, no. Uh, Not at all. I don't no. get up out uh, much. I tend to be a shut-in, so... Uh, yap away. Um, hey, Ben, where can our listeners see and hear you yapping more? Uh, you can uh, listen to my band, spellsrules.bandcamp.com or www.spellsrules.com. You can listen to us there. And then you can find me on Facebook. I do have two albums, two on iTunes. This is stand-up Spotify. albums. Yep, stand-up. Uh, I Got Demons and No Enlightenment and Sobriety. And uh, yeah, you can find there or those who can't our new season. Season three starts this spring on nice. True TV. And you, if you have cable, you can watch that all on demand or iTunes. I was going to say, where can they watch the previous t- the previous two seasons still on demand? Uh, yes, they're on demand if you have cable. And then uh, you can watch them on iTunes or Amazon or whatever. Check okay. that out. It's a very funny show. And you'll notice other past guests, past friends of the oh, show yeah. popping up on it as well. Yeah, that's true. Oh, yeah. A lot of crossover with yeah. our past guest base dude rory and kyle canane have you had any of those both of those and uh brian cook's been on a few times oh, I think, cookie right? monster uh yeah. we haven't had adam or andrew you gotta get out andrew I mean, lives andrew here might have, it's no been six, andrew's never been on the show been six years. you're the first grolix who's oh well who's made it onto probably science we're gonna start working our way through you though yeah, yeah. well tell adam to suck it he can have his late <laughs> night appearances but i've been on this couch science. Yeah. Thanks for joining us. Hey, dude. Thank you, guys. And listeners, fun. don't forget that this episode is brought to you, as we mentioned, by HelloFresh. For $30 off your first week of HelloFresh, visit HelloFresh.com and enter the promo code PROBABLY30. Thanks a lot. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.